Hello and welcome to another episode of the Caring Support Podcast. Today we're back with the one and only and amazing rock star, Sarah McVenow. <laughs> She's a certified senior organizational development professional. Just say that 10 times fast. Professional <laughs> certified coach and certified human resources leader. She is one of 700 certified speaking professionals worldwide. She also has a BA in psychology uh, and a MSc in family relations and diplomas in human resources and healthcare administration. Oh, that is a lot. So mm -hmm. welcome back, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, everything new and exciting and wonderful in your world? Always. I got a chance to hear about some cool TikTok things that you are doing and <laughs> getting out there and creating some buzz. And I love how you're doing that because what an amazing opportunity it is to spark up conversations with people to make sure that they're recognizing their, you know, their, their rock stars in their life, their healthcare yeah. professionals. Well, it's always courtesy of our lovely Callie because we have a great mm -hmm. marketing team. And so, you know, we count on them to deliver these crazy ideas on a regular basis because you have to be creative. You know, what's interesting is yeah. when we're working with our clients, we're always telling them, like, you know, what's your marketing look like? Where are you approaching? Where, are you, you know, you see, I think a lot of, unfortunately, in a lot of different companies, they've been doing things for the same way forever. And all of a sudden now we have a candidate led market and people I'd say you have to be creative. It's no longer about you, you know, mm -hmm. and really, you know, nothing against any of these companies we work with. But, you know, something should have never been about them should have always been about the candidate because that's who you wanted. That was the person, the important asset, the invaluable person you needed in your environment. So the question is, is what are you doing to make them feel like this, you know, they want to work there. So, you know what? Um, it's true. And so I, we're lucky enough to have um, these amazing people in marketing. So without further ado, let's get started. And Callie, you're a go. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming back again. We're really excited to have you here. And if you're listening and you didn't listen to the previous episode, you'll want to go back and listen to that one because Sarah was awesome. She told us all about herself and she talked about how healthcare workers can look out for themselves and recognize each other in the workplace. So today we're going to shift things over into how our healthcare organizations can support their healthcare workers and recognize them a little more. So our first question of the day is, what are some of the struggles that organizations are facing when it comes to employee retention and making their workplaces a space that people want to work? Mm -hmm. I would love actually to build on what you were just saying, James, about making this the type of workplace that people choose to work. Because really what, what you're talking about and how it beautifully dovetails with your question, Callie, is that uh, we're in the business for earning people these days, not hiring them. Now, your point is well taken, James, that probably we should have always seen it that way. Um, however, many people who are in leadership roles uh, came up at a time in healthcare where folks had to go to another country to work. They did not, they, they truly were, it was a numbers game and there, it was more numbers in favor on the employer's side versus on the, uh, the healthcare professional. In fact, we lost a lot of people because they couldn't get jobs. So here we have the opposite. I mean, oh, the days when we had so many options of great, great people. Um, now, given that it, the reality has shifted and on the other side of COVID, it, there's a very good chance that we will never see an abundance of providers uh, available to us. That's probably those days are gone. 
Um, and, and so how do we maintain an always earning mindset? And recognition is the easiest way to do that. I have a caution though, for anyone who thinks recognition is the way we've always done it, just like you're saying, James, are the way we recruited needs to be brushed off um, and, and re-examined and lots of tweaks. It's the same way with how we recognize people. Are you ready? Let's buckle down. Are you ready, James and Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I hope this doesn't sound too soapboxy. Um, the number one way that we have always recognized people is long service. Now, let me just ask both of you, what do you think is the issue with recognizing long service as the number one way we show healthcare folks that we value them? I think it I'm has, sure. like, it's really hard to stay in a position for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. it, it could be situational, right? Like you could have to leave the workplace and come back because of, you know, family mm -hmm. situations. You're a mom, right? You leave and come back. Yeah. And there are a lot of companies that won't actually recognize your maternity leave as you still on board with them. So mm -hmm. they, that comes out of your seniority with that company. And right now, I would say because of all the shifts in management styles in general, um, seniority doesn't necessarily mean anything. So mm -hmm. you can have the younger generations coming in that actually have more relevant knowledge and information um, coming out of their education paths and stuff like that, where, yeah, okay, you know, um, Bob's been here for 36 years, but um, they're still doing things the old way. So it doesn't, mm -hmm. rewarding longevity at a company, it doesn't, it doesn't work because there's so much diversity now in terms of knowledge within each company that it's, for me, I would say it's better to go that way. Mm -hmm. Awesome. James, anything you want to add? <laughs> Sorry? Anything you want to add to that? I, I, I'm just going to say that sometimes when yeah. someone's been in a, in a business organization for a long period of time, they, they can often become almost like, uh, I don't want to use necessary complacent, but there, mm -hmm. there's, you know, are they trying to excel all the time? Are they, are they trying to get to the next level? Are they pushing themselves and outside their comfort zone and, and always bringing new ideas, new value, new concepts uh, forward? Because sometimes that's what you say is when we bring in other people outside of the staffing crisis that we have right now, a lot of times when you bring in new people, they bring in fresh ideas, like Callie was saying. They, they might be exposed to other concepts of thought, newer technology, other ways that and say that help augment the concept of uh, working smarter than harder. Mm -hmm. Now, um, but, you know, at the same time, well, you know, it's it's I think it's important to acknowledge people who have been in a, a business and given their all every day to to people. I mean, it, absolutely, because today we have yeah. such a hard time keeping people. You know, mm -hmm. most places keep telling us about their retention or turnover problems. And I think a lot of people really haven't quantified what that cost is. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, so many, so many scrumptious things. And I think, you know, if I could bottom line it into a key thing that I just heard from both of you is that we we get what we reward. So to your point, when we when we were really focused on valuing and expressing how grateful we are that people chose healthcare, that they chose that organization and to choose that organization for life, because of course, 
and in unionized and in a professional groups, uh, pro the professional groups that tend to choose healthcare, nurses, doctors, social workers, respiratory therapists, it tends and it has been where people would choose the type of institution like a healthcare organization or like primary care, and that they would they would select an organization, they select they would select a subtype, and they would be there on the long term. And what we're seeing of all different professional groups is that isn't always the case. And because we have an evolving um, and an employee and in driven marketplace, we need to recognize people earlier than we might normally. And also we need to compensate for the fact that longevity is not always the only factor that we need to show appreciation. Yes, to your point, James, yes, we need to show loyalty. If people, if we're lucky enough to keep people five, 10, 15 years, we should be saying thank you. And also, are we recognizing people's ingenuity, continuous improvement? Are we recognizing safety behaviors and quality and patient safety behaviors? Are we recognizing people's willingness to step outside their comfort zone, to retrain in a subspecialty? Are we recognizing people beyond paying them a little bit more to work the weekend shift? Are we finding ways to validate and value them beyond a gift card, beyond a, a plaque every five years, beyond a watch at 25 years? Um, how much we appreciate their effort. And that is essential to get over some of the tough days. So also think about it this way, everyone who's listening, is what do you need to recognize in people's darkest moments of their shift? People experience vicarious trauma, small T trauma, sometimes big T trauma, every day as part of the deal in healthcare. So how do we also leverage recognition as a way to insulate against burnout, compassion fatigue, um, and even just leaving subspecialties to go and do something somewhere else because if we don't, the long service awards is not gonna do it. Just paying people a paycheck, that's table stakes. Everyone gives one of those. In fact, to my healthcare friends, industry may give a better one and give them weekends off. So we need to take this seriously, not because I'm waving my finger at all of you, but I think we can all agree it makes sense. What we recognize demonstrates what we care about, what we value as an organization. So I would flip the script and ask everyone who's listening, what do you most value? And therefore, are you recognizing it and reverse engineer what recognition and rewards needs to look like in your organization? Yeah, that was awesome, Sarah. <laughs> I, uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that I always tell people that when we lived in a world where, you know, we put value on money and material items and assets and all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is, it's just the way that people feel. So, you know, getting that shiny new watch and everything, as important as that can be to recognize a milestone or whatever it is that was accomplished in that organization, that's great. And that's nice for a while. And then after a while, that polish is gone. What really, really resonates is when people just feel heard, appreciated, respected, and then they adjust accordingly, the organization based on that feedback from people. And then yeah. they feel, oh, my God, like they actually really care about how I feel and they're working to do that. Unfortunately, right now, when we talk with a lot of organizations. We see it's it's you look at every single website um, for hospitals, home care, health, uh, any form of health care whatsoever. And you might as well say it's business as usual. OK, there's really nothing different there. Business as usual. You know, maybe still a COVID thing or something that's mentioned in there. But other than that, it's essentially the same. 
Now yeah. we see over here a massive burnout problem, a trust issue with healthcare organizations. They feel like that's been portrayed. So, you know, I always say to a lot of these places, and they look at me like I just spoke Mandarin, and I say, you know what would be great and refreshing is if one of you guys owned it and just said, you know, um, we need to address this. Oh, we do that when they apply. So you're counting on them to apply and then tell them about the work-life balance and other things you're doing. Yeah, that's not going to work, guys, because they don't know you're doing these things. You need to, and you see, that touches on vulnerability. And I and I said, you know what? I, I'd be shocked if anybody in this country thinks for one minute that our healthcare system is perfect. Mm -hmm. Right? So, you know, it's just, uh, I was speaking with a lovely lady from YARNAO the other day, and she she basically said, like, this is refreshing to hear someone talk like this. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's there's amazing people like you, Sarah, doing the things that they're doing to help healthcare organizations understand the importance of how people are recognized and the way you do it, how it matters, and, and the way that it's done. So when you say reverse engineering and understanding, what is it that, that they're going through and what they need? You know, pizza parties mm -hmm. and all that stuff is nice, but that's not the answer. You know, mm -hmm. so anyway. Yeah. And you can build on what you've done in the past and look to see how it can be polished up. Um, so the example of the the a pizza party, for example, D is there a way of collecting information about people's dietary preferences and needs? So you, if people really genuinely like to come together as a, for, to have a pizza party, then by all means, don't take it away. We just need to make sure the people with a gluten allergy and the people who have dairy allergies, I know some people roll their head and be like, wow, I can't make everybody happy. It's like, then probably not, because it's going to have unintended consequences if we're not attending to that. Because what if your highest performer, the person who got that project over the finish line, who worked weekends, who mentored everybody is the one with the gluten allergy? You know, or what if the person that you're going to ask to do that next is, is the one who feels left out of that? Similarly with the watches, if everybody's walking around with Apple watches, yes, maybe for a long time, people proudly wore the, the gold watch and everyone knew if you're wearing the gold watch, that's a sign that you've been here 25 years. Wow. Doesn't necessarily have the same resonance today. So we also have to look at these things from the perspective of what if we were to build it from scratch? So we talked about reverse engineering. Also, if we were to build it from scratch right now, what would we do? Would it be gold watches and pins? And it might be. However, if you have a very, let's say very fit, fit active, this is your, your cohort, they're probably going to have Fitbits, Apple watches, things like that. If it's not, if you have people who tell you, in fact, why not ask them, right? If they tell you, actually, I want a, something I can wear that shows my pride. Amazing. What would that be? And then we can also account for the fact that we have multiple genders in our workforce today. When, when nursing, as an example, was a she, her dominated profession, some of the things that we picked, like pins, work for that, that you know, binary generational perspective. We know, however, all generations, and we want to encourage all generations and all, sorry, and all um, genders to to work in healthcare. So we also need to look at it from the lens of not being um, uh, irrelevant to the times in which we are all living. And nobody needs to be the HR person who controls the budget and HR 
to be reflective of some of these things. And by the way, I should say, I don't want to be criticizing. You know, I sometimes my my soapbox can sound like I'm I'm criticizing folks because we're all doing the best that we can. Yeah. So in actual fact, it's not the people listening to this are the folks who are the most committed to creating some positive people-centered change. So just know if some of these things are seeming like laid out in left field and you're thinking, well, why? Of course, it makes so much sense. Why didn't I do that? Or, wow, we've got a lot of work to do. I don't even know where to get started. This is where you started, which is great. This is perfect. If you try, if you tweak one thing, you have one conversation, you look at the catalog, you ask, hey, wait a minute, how do we do it over here where we have got a, a great retention of our, of our folks, which is not so great over here? I'm just curious. I want to ask a few questions that's a start. And that's all we need to do is take a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Go ahead, Kelly. Last week, you kind of touched on the fact that you're known as the frog lady. So maybe mm -hmm. you can tell us again a little bit, what is frog and where did it come from and how did it start? Yeah. So frog stands for forever recognize others greatness. And it came out of a um, an intervention that needed to happen in a labor and delivery unit. These are really passionate, seasoned, most, most of folks were very seasoned and they were totally burnt out, compassion fatigued. They worked so hard and it used to be a center of, it was a center of birthing excellence and it used to be a, a, a very high um, attraction numbers that like very, so in other words, there was this great big stack of resumes just waiting in HR for a position to open up. And it got to a point where, there was such a reputation for toxicity that had built. Not only was nobody applying, they also weren't staying. So people wouldn't even finish their, their onboarding with them. And, and for those who are not familiar with some of the specialty areas of, of nursing and respiratory therapy and so forth, some of those areas will be six plus weeks of being mentored uh, before folks can be completely um, on their own and not, not paired up. So that's, that's quite a, an economic burden to a healthcare organization to lose those folks, not to mention the burden of the mentor um, themselves. So what we ended up doing um, was going in and asking folks, so what do you, what, we're just getting to know you. Can you introduce yourself, your role, and what's great about you? And nobody said anything, which was really awkward. And, and so we turned to the matriarch of the group and we said, hey, you know, why don't you kick it off? Why don't you share with us what is great about you? And she just, she said, I have nothing to share. I, I, and we thought, oh my gosh, like this is going from bad to worse. But actually she said, because I don't have any greatness. And everyone was shocked at first and then everyone nodded their head because she said what everyone was feeling inside. There was so much tox toxicity. There was so much disheartened hopelessness that things could be better. And also people had lost their, their way. Why did they choose to do nursing? Why did they choose to work in this specialty? So over the course of two years, we, we worked with them. It was my team. But you know what? Here's the number one thing. We had to start with self-recognition. Because as long as they could not see that they had anything to offer, how are they going to see it in other people? Especially in their most tense moments where things are collapsing um, around uh, all around you, which sadly happens. That's a reality, a burden that we all know healthcare providers face every day. 
is the potential for that to happen or literally happening, you know, depending on what area and the type of expertise we have. So at the end of it, we asked folks, how will we remember this work? We've worked really hard. You've all worked very, very hard over two years to build the type of culture where everyone feels a sense of belonging. And you now have this abundant um, uh, full staffing and so many people want to come work here again. How do we hold on to that? And somebody shared, well, how about Frog? Forever recognize others' greatness. And they literally created frog visuals all over the unit from frog posters. And anytime they had a celebration, somebody bring in a frog cake or frog cookies. Um, they'd be given plush frogs as thank yous from grateful patients because they were, they people could see that frog was the theme around their, their unit. Um, and they would frog, even the families, like, way to go, dad. You haven't fainted in like five minutes. They would frog, you know, frog their patients as well as each other and the students and people of other departments. So that's, that was actually the birthplace of frog, literally the birthplace, right out of the, out of the mouths of um, our providers. And I feel so fortunate to have been able to bring it not just to healthcare, childcare, um, you know, residential and developmental services and, you know, just all kinds of people caring professions. And it's so exciting when I get a chance to see the work of that, that first birthplace, that first group of frontline providers coming up with the concept of frog. And now literally hundreds of thousands of, of direct providers now frog each other and experience and remember the value of always forever recognizing each other's greatness. I, I think that's awesome and good for you. I, you know, it's interesting, Sarah, I'm one of the biggest proponents that you'll find for acknowledging people's greatness. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm forever telling people, why don't you tell them, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, I know there's always this fear and different things, but when you see something like this transpire, like, and you saw it firsthand and, and help create this whole thing and now use this all the time, it, it's based on the most beautiful thing somebody could do in an organization just to truly make people get into something and start to go oh my god like i want to do this too and i want to frog other people and i you know because i want to do you know i want to feel like i want to make somebody else feel awesome and i mm -hmm. i want them to realize how much we appreciate and love them and everything that they contribute whether it's the patient like you say i and we work with a lot of places that hire like dsws and stuff like that and and working with people with disabilities and you know and in my past too i've seen that and i think you know it when when people talk about you know how they should handle stuff i said folks you know what anybody no matter who they are what disabilities they they have whatever they just want to be accepted they just want to be part of something special and, I, and that's it they, they're not asking for special treatment they're not asking for you know kid love stuff they're just asking to be accepted and and to be acknowledged when they contribute to so i think that's this is awesome what you're doing sarah it's really really awesome to see i love it thank you Thank you. So it can be difficult for people to bring things up when they're feeling unappreciated or when they're when they are feeling things like burnout, compassion fatigue, or maybe they're just unhappy with how things are going. So do you have any suggestions on how healthcare workers can open that dialogue with their management teams about these things um, and how they can go about yeah, having that conversation? 
So the very first thing I would suggest, if folks do not have a tool already in which to reflect on their degree of compassion fatigue, I would get one. I have one on my website, greatnessmagnified.com. Under cool stuff, there is a compassion satisfaction and compassion fatigue one pager. So what does compassion satisfaction look like from a behavioral, psychological, and physical standpoint right through to what are the signs that it's transitioning into compassion fatigue and then outright compassion fatigue? Because it's very hard to have a conversation when we don't know what we don't have a common language. So that's the first thing. What is going on for you? Being aware of that. And then maybe having a conversation with some other people that you know, like, and trust in your area to see, check in about how they're feeling. Because you may actually find not only do you, are you able to get some support from your peers and your colleagues, which may in fact be what you need immediately before you can bring this forward to leaders or HR or occupational health, wherever you can find some additional resources and support. Because often that there we have, we've studied a lot on and understanding stress better now and tend and befriend. When we take care of each other and when we, we build a deeper social network, that actually, those are key stress management techniques beyond the face freeze you know, all of the traditional ways in which we, we think of stress. Um, and then I think, you know, once we are aware and we also, you know, speak with somebody that gets us and is in our area, then we can start looking at with our leadership team about what, what seems to be experienced, whether it just be you or a few of you talk about, these are some of the things that we're noticing is slipping into compassion fatigue. And as soon as we label some of those things like rising sick time and injuries and those that's the language that management is accountable for so it's bringing it from the individual experience into the accountability factor and it's not that leaders don't care for their people it's not like you can't say and i'm feeling a little bit low you know i'm feeling lower i'm having a harder time jumping out of bed and feeling excited it's not that leaders don't care about that it's just of the crushing burden that is middle management in healthcare. And I, I don't mean to be overly dramatic, but literally as somebody who's been in those roles, right through middle frontline management through the senior leadership, I'll tell you, it's very hard. If we haven't walked a mile in a healthcare leader's shoes, it's very hard to comprehend just how exhausting, emotionally, physically, socially exhausting it is. And you have a lot fewer people to lean on to for support, that's for sure. So it actually is a benefit to the leader as well as to you to be able to, for your voice to truly be taken seriously immediately is to, to talk about some of the reasons why we cannot ignore it. It literally is too high stakes and we are all on the same page about that. So you may, you may feel comfortable as well talking about those things because they're not quite as emotional or personal. So what are you noticing? I've noticed that people are calling in sick, that that or people are not as willing to take up shifts. I know I've been able to take on more shifts. I'm feeling tired. We've had three people in the last two weeks who have filed um, for musculoskeletal injuries. And we know that there's a tie with the physical body and the emotional burden of healthcare. I think something's going on here. I know I'm feeling it. You may be feeling it. I suspect other people are feeling it. What can we do about this? So notice how it's not about, we need to talk about compassion fatigue. We need to talk about what's going on through the experience of compassion fatigue. 
And we end up addressing it by talking about what specifically we're seeing because healthcare folks are used to tangible evidence. What is the evidence that something is going on? Because as soon as we talk about behavioral, quantifiable, measurable things, now we're talking the language that all providers understand. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times people, they want to see something that's quantified in results and you're seeing the impact it creates on productivity, on looking after patient care, et cetera. And then they're going to maybe act accordingly. You know, there's there's a lot of people who struggle to have these conversations that, that, that you know, and they, you know, but in today's day and age, we really have to start getting on top of all this stuff purely because it's so easy for, we'll say a nurse to just go down the road uh, or go somewhere else because they're wanted everywhere. So, you know, it's incumbent upon the healthcare organizations to really understand what people need and want and how we work with them and make them feel like, you know, they're, they don't want to go anywhere else. Even if the other place paid a bit more, they have to think about, you know, am I going to walk into this? Am I going to have to deal with a toxic, you know, environment? And that's just not worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. For the sake of a few more dollars. That people won't won't put up with it. And yeah. then this is not just healthcare data. Um, this is broader based data that people are 10 times more likely to leave a job, even if it pays a little bit more to go somewhere where there's a bullying and civility. 10 times. Right. And we all know, in fact, a wonderful expert out of the US who serves organizations all across the world, who is a bullying and incivility expert in healthcare, Renee Thompson, she would be able to tell you firsthand if she were in this conversation that that one of the biggest risk factors of something that has largely gone unignored because in fact, we have such a history, particularly with physicians where they have been, they have been bullied all throughout their education. That they, and then they get to a point where they are, are working as professionals And then we, you know, we're saying to them, well, you can't be disrespectful physician. They have literally been abused and bullied their entire education. And and I'm not saying that that makes it right. They shouldn't be given then a pass like, oh, well, you know, this was their experience. It's just, we need to talk in the language of expectations and empathy. So what is driving this person's behavior to be this way? So yes, we can look at it from the the turnover and retention issue. The other thing we can look at is it doesn't make any sense that people who have dedicated their life to caring for people would behave so rudely and badly to each other. There's got to be a reason. And as soon as we look at that, we realize that actually the systems in which we people learn, get onboarded, grow, um, work in are actually the more flawed situation. It's not the individual, it's the context that we need to address. So again, just to kind of come back, it seems very basic, recognition is very basic. However, at least if we're valuing people and recognizing this today in this moment, people are less likely to behave badly to you. And it's creating a new narrative of the standard of behavior. So you know, I, I I know we can talk like all day long and we've got busy folks. And so I, you know, I forgive me if I'm sort of going on and on about this, um, but because, you know, we can't land the plane on, on all of those systems. However, again, look at what you want to see more of, recognize the things you want to see more of. And, uh, and, and that's, and sure enough, you will get it. 
Absolutely. I can't even add anything to that. That was awesome. Um, and I totally agree. And then for the sake of time, I want to make sure we get everything that, you know, uh, answering all the questions, Sarah. So, Kelly, please. So we're actually coming to the end of today's episode already. It seems like it's it's blown by talking to you. You, Sarah, has been amazing. And we've learned so much over the last uh, today's episode and the last episode about recognition and how healthcare employees and how they can work together with their organizations, you know, and go back and forth with recognition in order to make these workplaces a better place. So before we wrap things up today, is there anything else that you would like to share with us today? Any other pieces of wisdom or advice? Mm -hmm. Well, what I would say to all of our leaders, healthcare folks, frontline providers who are listening to this, and thank you for listening so long. You're clearly so passionate about retention and building wonderful healthy healthcare organizations. I want to invite you to think about this. You are already greatness. You already are doing the best that you can. So before doing anything else, I invite you to think about that. Literally spend a minute thinking of nothing else. Turn off your phone, silence your messages, get out a piece of paper if you need to discipline yourself to do something for a minute. Put on your timer even. And recognize what are you already doing well, despite all of the odds, despite all the challenges, all the obstacles, all the things that are on your plate, what are you already doing well? Because if you can recognize yourself, you can recognize other people. If you don't see the greatness within yourself, it is just, it recognition all of a sudden becomes a huge uphill battle. So you're doing the best you can. I hope you see that in yourself. Yeah, that's a great point. I think a lot of people don't do that. They don't do that in a lot of things. So they don't really know who they are and they articulate that. It's funny, an analogy I use with this is when I'm when we are doing lunch and learns with schools, we we lead with the top five ways to network and then doing a, a rock star job interview and then we show our platform. Now, um, one of the things I say to people is if you can really spend time getting to know who you really are to the point that you can articulate that in the form of a story. It takes mm -hmm. into to account what they're looking for out of a person, but you bring this thing so that you find that they're, when they're interviewing you, they're doing this, listening. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, I guarantee you, I don't care if they interview 50 people that week, they'll remember you. Mm -hmm. um, because they'll be going, oh my God, this person, like they knew who they were, they were confident in the delivery, not cocky or arrogant, but the end just came in and they told a story that made them go, oh, my God, this is this is the kind of thing we want to see in our environment. We want somebody who really gets involved, really, really helps out, really sees the deeper meaning behind things, correlates that to their mission of that company along with their personal values. And, you know, really, at the end of the day, like, you know, I think a lot of companies would be like businesses and organizations have been going, my God, this is the kind of people we need. Mm -hmm. because it's the same old thing with emotional intelligence. I mean, I tell people it's very hard to help other people if you do not first make sure you're okay. Mm -hmm. Right? Agreed. So, yeah, this has been great, Sarah. I just want to thank you. We want to thank you so much for for uh, being here with this, uh, yeah, two-part podcast. Uh, it's amazing what you're doing, and it's of extremely important value. Mm -hmm. um so thank, thank you. you well and thank you for helping our providers and healthcare organizations be able to um, find the people that they're looking for absolutely yeah mm -hmm. yeah wonderful thanks so much thank you so much Take care.
It was great. Have a great to talk day. To you. you too.